All right, for everybody out there and listening, today we're going to be talking about something that we normally don't, and it's a little outside of the box for us by way of, uh, we're going to be discussing what to do if you're not planning to sell, and just simply put, how to make more money at the car washes. And this is something all operators and owners should be keeping in mind, even if they have no semblance of selling anywhere in the near term or midterm even. I, I think the best part about this topic too is whether you ever want to sell or not. I think it's a it's it's sort of twofold. I think you can you know you can double dip here truthfully. Oh yeah. Because either either you're going to make a ton of money now, or you're going to make a ton of money now, and when you sell, you're going to make a lot more money because of the things you did today to make it. So it's it's you know we'll call it a two x return here, if you will. It's a two for one, absolutely. And on top of that, a lot of times what we're going to be talking about. It's going to be stuff that makes your job easier as a owner and operator, uh, whether it be a single site or a 20 site portfolio. So let's get into it. So first and foremost, John Michael, I think what the absolute immediate step in terms of approaching how to make more money is to understand where you currently stand. And by this, I mean more than just understanding your financial outlay today, but also where do you stand in terms of relativity? Yeah. And you got to let somebody in to really look at the numbers outside of that, which is the day-to-day, to take a overhead view and say, here's where we are, here's what we should be doing, here's what we can be doing, and how do we get to that maximum level? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think and I think the, the simple way to think about that is, you know, as an owner, you look at your same business every day in, day out, every cost, every line item. So to be able to leverage somebody who can, you know, look at that, but to do it on the scale of hundreds of car washes a week there's got to be some benefit, right? Oh, like, even even if there's one thing you can take away, I would imagine that that would translate to money. Right? Absolutely, absolutely. And the first, so the first thing that you're going to have to do in terms of opening up the HUD is whoever you allow to do this, whether it be one of the offerings we offer here, a car wash advisory, a consultant, an advisor, a third party, it doesn't matter, right? The first and foremost, one should be looking at, are we making as much money as we can be? And quite frankly, that comes down to two things, right, John Michael? One is, am I making as much as possible per car that I wash? Am I, am I, as the owner, washing as many cars as I can be washing, right? For sure. And I think it is that simple, right? And I, again, to leverage it, you know, it's what opportunities can be exploited, right? Whether it's the pricing side of things, whether it's the actual car count, maybe it's the demographic, Maybe it's the type of car wash. Maybe it's the package offerings, right? It's something that maybe, you know, seemingly doesn't seem like a big deal or something that maybe everyone in the area is offering and you don't have. And it was, you know, it's maybe an easy implementation. I, it could be as simple as that, right? Uh, absolutely. And it really comes down to kind of taking yourself back a step and saying, if I was to build a car wash on this site, even though it's currently running, maybe it's been there for 20 years, what would I expect the pro form us to look like? Not a you know, overzealous one that's, you know, yeah. way out there. But w- what would I expect this site to do based on demographics, competition profile, traffic trends? And why aren't you doing that if you aren't already? And taking that sort of objective lens and view will allow somebody to say, hey, there's some opportunities via marketing, via price menu, via attracting new customers and keeping them in retention and lowering churn. But first and foremost, letting somebody under the hood should allow you to take a look at the top line in comparison to where you are today versus what it could and should be. Yeah, and it's, it's a simply put, it's almost like a scale, right? And you have your minimum and your maximum, and it's really putting your dot somewhere in between the min and the max, right? And and the job is to move yourself up as close as you can if you're not already at the maximum. Right? Sure. And, and sometimes that, that's the simplest fix, right? 
Absolutely. And it may not be a one fix all prognosis, but the diagnosis is absolutely the number one and first step that has to be taken to even get to those sort of optionality they have directions. So I guess what's next then? What's next? So we assuming that there's there's opportunity for growth on the top line side of thing. I mean, I think that it makes sense to start there because as you know, I mean, there's so many fixed costs in the industry, like that's where you get your margin expansion, right? Is oh. really by driving numbers, right? So that's why it makes sense to start there. But assuming maybe there's only a little bit of opportunity to be had, or maybe we're at the top or, you know, we're already matured. Well, then what next, right? If, if I've already maxed out my site and I can't wash a single car, what do I do? And you are running a 300 IQ by way of pricing menu. Which <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The city of which is something that leaves much to be desired by way of objective yep. numerical analysis to date, uh, what's next is making sure that you have an audible trail by way of how you're running your business. So talking about auditing your business is something that scares a lot of owners. Yeah. It should. It scares any business owner. This has nothing to do with car washes. It has to do with making sure that your, your business as it's currently run is able to be understood by the eventual party who is going to buy it. Right. Right. Yeah, and I think auditing is a scary word because right away people think they're under the microscope, right? And that that's, again, it is partially the, by definition what an audit is, but I think more importantly, as you said, is uh, can it be understood by a third party, right? And that's where, again, having an advisor or a third party look at your business, that is an audit, right? Sure. And it doesn't have to be negative. It doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't have to be a finger pointing exercise. It just has to be a, it's, it's almost a trust thing really Absolutely. at that point, right? And as you, as you know, I mean, it, it goes a long way, especially, right? Is if, if a third party can understand it, well, then anyone can understand it. And there's got to be value in that, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, John Michael. And I think the key here is you don't have to audit the business. That is not the advice in terms of if you're not looking to sell to it. As an owner operator, you need to make sure that you are running your business in a way that allows for the ability of somebody else to audit it, yep. which is very different than auditing itself. It and let's just, let's use a wonderful example that is, becoming less and less common, but is still very commonplace in this as well as many other industries, which is if you are not putting all of your money into some type of bank account, please start doing that. Uh, yeah. It can be a personal bank account. It can be a non-business income. That's your own decision, but it can't be in a safe yeah. because that's totally diminishing the ability to audit. Yeah. So by way of perfect fidelity, of course, owning a small business has perks, has values, and that's your own decision as an owner. But for goodness sakes, there has to be some semblance of a trace to get to those holistic numbers. Otherwise, it's all but unable to be reconciled. Absolutely. And I think that that probably pulls a bit more with people who uh, maybe they're not ready to sell today, but eventually they would like to sell, right? Because again, if, you know, simple valuation of a business, you know, it dictates looking at all the cash and all the non-cash considerations the business generates at that point, if you can't track it, you can't pay for it. So the simple way to think about it is you're welcome to do whatever you want, right? But when that switch does go off and you're even considering switching to a sale mentality, there has to be some reconcilable period, right? Usually it's like, it's like a year, right? So it's not like you have to change it today, right? If, if I'm sitting here saying I'm going to sell in 10 years, if you want to do it for nine years and push the envelope, by all means, run your business how you want. But that 10th year before sale You've got to do things the right way. Absolutely, John Michael. And just to be clear for our viewers, we're not saying you have to prep your your business for the IRS. We're saying you have to prep it for the next buyer. And those are two yeah. very different things. If uh, We're always more than happy to have this conversation. And it's a delicate one in many ways, but it's it's, it's also nobody's business. It's your business. Yeah. You run it the way you want to. But 
by and large, please don't put the money under the mattress. That's not able to be audited. Put it in a personal bank account. Yeah. So that, that would really be step two, John Michael, is going to be making sure that you allow for your business to be able to be audited when that time does come and arises. Yeah. And then this brings us to our last sort of point, also something that we cover in our cash flow consulting offering as a business, which is taking a look at the calls, the other side of the equation. So we now covered the revenue. We covered making sure that there's an ability to audit the company, not to audit it. And then lastly, we have costs. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it makes sense, right? If you just, you know, if we're talking about the equation you said, you've got, we're maximizing top line, hopefully we're minimizing expenses, and we're making sure that all of this is traceable in some way, shape, or form to the point where the picture makes sense. Sure. Right? And for viewers, let's just establish what we're not talking about by way of cost reduction. And what we're not talking about is cutting jobs. What we're not talking about is cutting the hours of your workers. Yeah. What we're not talking about is doing activities and taking steps that could diminish the strength of and the health of your business at the proposed benefit of instant profitability. Yeah. That is not the way to save costs. No, I think it's a cop-out too, right? It's easy for us to sit here, you know, us paper pushers, right? To sit here and say, you should run your business like this. The reality is, is you've never won a car wash. I've never run a car wash. And theoretically, we can tell you how to do it, but we don't know, right? And I, I think that's where a lot of people are led astray is that it's very easy to say, oh, well, if you cut this $30,000 labor, there's $30,000. You don't need four people there. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. You don't need full-time employees at a investment bank and M&A advance, but that's all we do because yeah. it's the right way to do it. And that's how we've decided to do it. Yeah. And similarly, how you've decided to structure and run your business. If you want two greeters there with yeah. t-shirt cannons blasting into people's car, by all means, it's your business. You yeah. have the way that you think is fit, that your customers like, that appeals to your demographic and provides a service you want to provide. Absolutely. And I think there's, you know, that's where the whole, there's a lot of intangible value that you sometimes strip away when you do that erroneously, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think for those who have seen the movie Office Space, it's quite commiserate, right? The last thing you want is a consultant coming in saying, well, I know the solution. The solution is to fire everybody. Yeah. That, that doesn't work. Okay? No. Not for long. So so where do you save costs? Well, there there's a couple of ways, right? And they're very non-invasive for the most part, right? One of yeah. the most common places is stuff such as credit card processing fees, where you're paying too much, be it chargebacks, the absolute percentage which you're paying on your payments. And I know a lot of this is entangled with your pay station provider, whether it be DRB, ICS, so on and so forth. There's still actually, there's many ways actually to lessen that cost without diminishing what you're accomplishing via payment processing. And it's quite easy. Yeah. So that's that's one. And and for multi-site operators, sure, maybe a ten thousand dollar site saving with a single site isn't all that much. But for multi-sites, so yeah, when you start talking about the eventual sale at a eight to ten times multiple, we're talking about millions of dollars. Oh yeah. Very, very quickly, if not tens. Definitely. Right. So that's snowball. And it's an easy fix from what what I've seen. Completely non-invasive. Yeah. As a similar sort of cost line item that we examine all the time and has instant savings and has zero detriment to the business is stuff such as insurance. Yep. Right. If you're overpaying for insurance, for goodness sakes, and I, believe me when I say this, as a small business owner, reading through insurance policies is not an enjoyable task. No. And understanding the nuances and intricacies of what you need coverage for is possibly the most boring, eye-gouging type of activity I've ever done. So it's not your job to understand that. What is your job is to make sure that you're consulting with groups and individuals that can easily save you 25% on what you're doing in terms yeah. of that spend, right? Yeah, let the experts do their work, right? 
another one, and this will be the last one because I know we want to keep this very concise and we're happy to talk to any viewers who want to learn more about what we look at when we go ahead and we consult with a client by way of increasing cash flow in the interim as well as the mid and long term is chemical ordering. And I'm not saying how many dollars of chemicals you're putting on the car. Yeah. We, John Michael, you, you know this as well as I do. There are, this is very akin to the labor argument. Yeah. If you want 15 greeters, right, spraying uh, various foam colors on your car uh, for everybody that walks in screaming like lunatics, that's your own right. That's your business. That's your MO. That's your yeah. That's your brand. Uh, who are we to tell you that's not the correct thing? That's what we're not saying. Uh, but similarly, if you want to put $1.50 of chemical on every car, do you need it? We're not here to say that you don't. Objectively, you most likely don't. But that's your own prerogative. And if your customers and your clientele is is at a point where that's what they come to expect of you, by yeah. all means, keep dumping a dollar fifty. Yeah. In terms of the quantity. But the thing is, it's just simple things such as ordering cadences and yeah. negotiating with your chemical providers can provide instantaneous lift by way of cash flow. Definitely. And I, I think one thing that, again, it might sound obvious, but it's something that I know a lot of owners have overlooked is that they rely on the chemical suppliers for how much chemicals they should be using, right? And and again, not to point fingers or point blame, but you know, these guys are incentivized and they make their money based on how much chemicals they sell. Right. So going to a guy, it doesn't matter how good your relationship with at the end of the day, that's what that's what pays his bills. Right. So is he going to optimize it as best as possible for you? Maybe, right? There's some great guys out there that do that, but it's something again that's worth taking a look at. Right. We're not saying there's an issue. We're not saying there's this big change needed. But you should at least get a second opinion on it at the very least. Buy an $800 shed and put it behind every wash and order in bulk. Absolutely. Right? These aren't... Wait for a promotion and buy for the year. Yeah. And John Michael, just so we can frame this by way of the potential impact it could have on a, on a three-site operator, is it unfounded to say simple cost reductions such as this can have $50,000 impact bottom line a year? No, not at all. No, we've, we've seen outrages. We've seen chemical costs that were 20% of revenues before. Right. And again, I'm, you know, not one to sit here and say if that makes sense or not. But again, I would imagine that considering we've only seen that a handful of times, it's the minority of cases. Right. So it's something that you should at least get other opinions on because they're, again, we like to call these easy wins. They are easy wins. They right? are easy wins. They help you today and they certainly help you down the road. So mm -hmm. to recap, we've got, and this is something that we offer here at Car Wash Advisory. We're happy to talk to anybody about it. We do free consultations. If you're wondering where you currently stand by way of the key factors of ability to audit, yep. your top line gross and sales, and your cost metrics as to what you're actually dropping down to cash flow, give us a ring. We're happy to talk. And those are the three main components that are able to be tweaked in optimizing this equation. And that has nothing to do with wanting to sell today. No, yeah, I think it just helps make people more money. So if you want to make more money, at least get an opinion. Yeah, you don't have to listen, but it's worth uh, it's worth a look for sure. Absolutely. Plus, you can talk to us more. So this is Harry Caruso and John Michael Timboro of Car Wash Advisory, and we look forward to our next episode.